So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts. The podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Welcome back to another Real Rounds mini-session where we will be rounding on a specific topic, discussing clips and sharing information. And we are super excited for today's session to be focusing on the very popular Top Gun original and Top Gun sequel, Top Gun Maverick. Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. No turning back now. Come on! Jeez! Having any fun yet? Yes. So Top Gun Maverick, which is the the newly released version of Top Gun, takes place 30 years after Pete Maverick Mitchell, who's played by Tom Cruise, graduates from Top Gun. Maverick is called to train an elite group of Top Gun pilots, including Bradley Rooster Bradshaw, who's played by Miles Teller, um, and who is the son of his best friend Goose, who died in the first movie. So he's here to train Rooster, as well as other new pilots, for a very special mission. So today, during our real rounds, we'll be covering some topics and listening to some clips related to the new Top Gun Maverick movie. We'll also briefly discuss just Maverick, the character, more broadly. So we'll pull in some things from the original Top Gun as well, which is the first story um, which shows Maverick himself going through the Top Gun training. Yeah, and our listeners may be wondering what we're actually going to be talking about today because there are no therapy scenes, there are no formal mental health diagnoses that we're aware of that are talked about explicitly in either of these two movies. Um, But there is quite a bit of buzz about this movie, and we thought it would be a nice opportunity to talk about some different aspects of psychology that do come out um, in both the original and the sequel, Um, and just a, a good opportunity to bring up some new topics and areas that we haven't gotten a chance to discuss on the podcast before. 
I agree. I think that Top Gun in both iterations allows itself for some unique topics that we haven't talked about. Um, And as always in our mini sessions, there might be topics that could benefit from a deeper dive. So who knows, we might cover some of those other topics in greater detail. But for today, and one of the main things that we're going to chat about is some of the research that has been studied or found out about related to different traits of military pilots. So much like Maverick, Goose, Rooster, and all the other great pilots that we see portrayed in both of these movies. And I think this is a fun thing to talk about because when we think about how these people are portrayed in the movie, we can get a sense of what are some traits that the, you know, the producers are wanting us to think that these pilots have. (laughs) And we can actually take a look at the research and see, are these accurate or how is this portrayed and um, what are actual characteristics that might be common among this group of people who choose to do this very, like, highly demanding, um, highly stressful, like, very intense job. And we can look at the research to see what common traits might come um, with this group of individuals. And just like we usually do, we kind of compare that, right? Like, what are we seeing in the movies? What are we seeing on the big screen? And how does that relate to or is that maybe realistic of what we might expect? And of course, we're talking about people and human behavior. So there's always going to be variability. Um, And we want to take a step back because you've been hearing Dr. Fran and I say like traits and personality. And these are things that are like fairly new. uh, I think that we haven't really covered on the podcast yet. So when we mentioned personality traits, we're actually talking about a consistent pattern of behavior that's being displayed. And when we talk about personality, there's actually a whole branch of psychology um, that is devoted to the study and understanding of personality. So, you know, Dr. Fran and I, we often talk about clinical psychology. We've talked about sports psychology. um, We've talked about social psychology. You know, I think we've been able to talk about some other cool sects of psychology. And today we're going to dive a little bit more into personality psychology. So, Dr. Fran, when we refer to that, kind of what is personality psychology studying? Or tell us a little bit more. As the name may imply, it has to do with personality, <laughs> right? Um, so it's a it's a discipline within the psychology umbrella that studies the personality system. Um, so this is really trying to understand major patterns, psychological patterns and behavioral patterns and how those are expressed in an individual's life. So as Dr. Sam alluded to, when we think about personality traits, that's these like consistent patterns of behaviors that we're seeing over and over again. Um, so when we talk about different personality traits today, you can kind of think about that umbrella lens of like there's whole field of psychology that's focused and we'll talk about like a tiny, tiny subset of that in today's episode. And what I think is interesting about just personality, personality traits, especially when it comes to entertainment, so TV shows, movies, even novels, um, is that oftentimes characters, I think, are portrayed in um, very like Uh, exaggerated lenses, Mm -hmm. right? So someone might be pretty outgoing, pretty confident, and then that character in a movie or TV show, that's going to be a very defining characteristic of the character. So I think it's it's even more interesting to kind of take that lens in the movie. Um, And we're sure in day-to-day life, you might hear people describe themselves as like, oh, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, right? So what does that really mean? And then how do we see that in movies versus what we might see in real life? So I think it's going to be really interesting to dive into, especially thinking about these elite pilots and Top Gun pilots. Yeah, and I think Maverick's character is particularly interesting and the one you kind of go to first when you think, obviously, he's the main character of the first movie and basically the second movie. Um, And 
some traits when we're talking about personality traits that might come to mind are, you know, like he's not very um, attentive to authority or he like often is like (laughs) rule breaking. Um, He's also very confident and very, um, you know, like gregarious and very like outgoing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, there might be some other words that people might use like narcissist or um, kind of conceited or, you know, some people might like those terms might come to mind when thinking about like how we would describe Maverick. There's a fun, a good scene in the first movie where Iceman and Maverick, when they're having their little feud, uh, Iceman kind of calls him out for some of these traits that he might think that he has. Below the hard deck does not count. Hard deck my ass. We nailed that son of a bitch. Ah, You guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazansky? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Ice, man. I am dangerous. I think, Dr. Fran, that you're exactly right. You gave us a lot of descriptors of how people might describe Maverick, and I think there are a lot of terms, right? I think the ones that really kind of float ahead, like in my mind when I think of Maverick, and even kind of going back and rewatching and preparing for today's session is just that confidence, right? Like whether Mm -hmm. it's with his work, being a pilot, he's very confident. Whether it's meeting new women at the bar, he's very confident. You know, um, uh, talking to colleagues and peers in the Top Gun classroom or you know in the training um definitely a confidence to him uh there also is like you mentioned kind of his um interesting relationship with authority especially given that he is in the military and you know we hear in the scenes like the implications for that related to his job so let's kind of take a step back and let's review like um a specific model you know there are various models or different ways of understanding personality and personality traits Today, Dr. Fran and I are going to focus on a, a model that you may have heard, actually. I think that this is something that a lot of people are familiar with, at least in some sense, but it is called the Big Five or the Five-Factor Model of Personality. Um, so there are a lot of different ways people might think about or categorize or uh, seek to understand personality. This is just one of the, I think, probably more popular, especially kind of like in the... Um, general population, um, and also one of the most like studied in different ways, uh, models for personality. So we're going to focus on the big five today. Yeah. And when we talk about the big five, the, the five factors or the personality traits that this model focuses on, the first is openness to experience. So this can be being very like curious, very inventive, wanting to kind of put themselves out there to experience that, which on the other hand, if someone was low in openness to experience, that would be very cautious. I'm really liking to be very consistent and stable. Um, another of these five traits is conscientiousness, which is very efficient and organized. Um, I can guess that there might be a correlation between this and doing a job like being a military fighter pilot, being very like consistent and organized. Um, on the other end of that, you would see being more careless and, and not really paying as much attention to detail. Yes, I definitely could see that <laughs> being associator related. One of the other ones, and we kind of briefly touched upon this in the uh, in the beginning of today's session, is extroversion. So this personality trait is really what you think about, like someone who is outgoing, very energetic. On the opposite end of that spectrum or continuum would be someone who's more solitary, more reserved. Um, and we'll talk a lot about 
uh, I think this is one of the main personality traits that we do find in the research is associated um, with what they see in pilots. Um, So we'll talk more about that one for sure. The fourth one is agreeableness. Um, So what this one means is someone who is more friendly, compassionate. It might be demonstrated in like warmth and modesty. And then on the other end of that spectrum would be someone who's more critical, more rational. And then the the final or fifth factor would be neuroticism. And I think this is a term that gets thrown around a lot in different ways. But when we're talking about it in this context, we're talking about like being very sensitive, oftentimes very nervous. And on the flip side, being low in neuroticism would be very confident and very resilient. So while we might sometimes use the term neurotic in a colloquial way to describe someone who's like very organized and like very detail oriented in this context, that's not really what we're talking about. Yes. And so, as I mentioned, one of the factors or one of the personality traits we're going to spend a lot of the time talking about today is that extroversion trait. And so some of the other ways that this can be defined or understood is really as someone being like more assertive, more active, more talkative, more upbeat, energetic, um, and exhibiting a high level of novelty seeking behavior or, you know, kind of uh, seeking out like new situations. Um I don't know if that sounds like anyone that we've been talking about today, but definitely I think Maverick fits into that, just that picture, you know, at first glance so far. Yeah, a bunch of scenes are popping into mind where like he's at the bar and like the classic you've lost that loving feeling scene. She's lost that loving feeling. She's like, no, she hasn't. Yes, she has. She has not lost that look because she's lost it, Matt. Come on. I hate it when she does that. Or even just like, how he um, continues to pursue Charlie um, multiple times in the same bar, just like very confident, very outgoing, very assertive. Um, And then obviously in his work as well, which there are several examples of that too. And I think it's interesting in the extroversion, like in an understanding extroversion and reading up a bit about it, a bit more about it today for our session, they really also describe this like energy, like energetic approach as it relates to the social world. And so I think just as you were describing, Dr. Fran, we definitely see that with Maverick and his like social and interpersonal relationships. Um, and so this is really like when you think about someone being very like sociable, being very adventurous. Um, and then also oftentimes we think of it in terms of like positive emotionality, um, Um, And like a sense of social confidence. And so, you know, you just mentioned with Maverick pursuing Charlie in the bar. Also, as you were just talking, that scene comes to mind where um, he's in the elevator with her and she's like trying, you know, to keep it professional and that (laughs) at that time. And people are coming in the elevator and he's like giving her looks and kind of like making very like flirty remarks towards her. You know, he doesn't care that he's at work and that she's one of the instructors. Mm -hmm. Like he just goes for it. I think it's also interesting when we're kind of thinking about this trait, I, you might like wonder, like, why would this be associated with being a military pilot? I, mean, I think there is a social aspect to some extent where you need to be able to like get along with other people and be confident. And in that way, I think another subset or piece of this is that they have found in the research that extroversion Typically, they tend to be, when we're talking about like physiological arousal, tend to be on the more under-aroused side compared to people who are more on the introverted or like other end of that extroversion spectrum. And so extroverts do tend to seek more environmental stimulation um, or ways to kind of get their uh, arousal back up. Um, and so I can definitely see that piece kind of related to the like novelty-seeking behavior or the stimulation-seeking is something that we'll talk about a lot that you have someone who might be in that state going and flying a jet at like ridiculous speeds and pulling all these G's and things like that. It makes sense that this trait would be someone who like wants to do that instead of someone who's like already very hyper aroused and like on edge all the time. 
Very true. And you just mentioned, too, it's that like adventure seeking, right? This that like new situations, but also something that's very adventurous. And you can imagine if someone is on the end where they're already very overstimulated or they're taking in, you know, and when we talk about like stimulation or stimuli, that's really like any kind of output from your environment. So noises, sounds, smells, like, you know, everything that you're interacting with in the world around you. And if you're already operating at a level where all of that is you know, maybe more overwhelming or you're already taking in that stimulation, um, you could see that then being up in the air in very high stress situations, piloting a fighter jet would be like maybe pushing someone over the edge. So if that baseline's already lower, they can kind of handle more of that stimulation. And uh, perhaps that's why these types of personalities are drawn to this type of career. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and like Dr. Sam was alluding to earlier, consistently in the research, extroversion is the trait of the big five factor model that yes. comes out as correlated or higher among this population compared to other, even other military groups or other um, people who are in the military tend to have lower extroversion than pilots. It's a little bit more mixed when we start to look at the other factors. There have been a few mm-hmm. studies that find that military pilots tend to be um, lower on neuroticism, which kind of makes sense, again, kind of related to what we were talking about. Someone who's already more nervous and anxious and insecure would probably have a harder time in this type of environment versus someone who's on the other end of that neuroticism spectrum who tends to be a bit more like resilient and confident. Again, we see that a lot with Maverick. I don't think he would fall. Uh, he would definitely <laughs> fall on the more confident side of that. Um, and there's also was an interesting study I saw that focused specifically on female military pilots and found that, again, they were more extroverted and they tended to be more agreeable, which that's kind of would I, I would have a question about how much that's gender influenced. Yeah. Um, and then also more conscientious, which, again, would make sense in this context that that would be a very adaptive way of being to be have like more in close control, goal directed behavior, self-discipline, that those are all things that probably make for being a successful pilot. Yes, and I think related to that, Dr. Brand, um, we had also found that while overall pilots tend to be more extroverted, but they're less conscientious, they also are, you know, other than the study related to females, um, and you mentioned kind of the gender biases or differences there, but pilots overall tend to be less agreeable, which I think is kind of interesting, and we see with Maverick because... There is a lot of like authority and have, you know, um, like there's an aspect of like trust and just like warmth and stuff related to being agreeable. So I think it's kind of interesting that overall they find that pilots are not as agreeable. (laughs) Yeah, it seems kind of counter to the extroversion piece. But I think it kind of makes sense that we... I mean, he's not necessarily, Maverick's not a very agreeable person. Like he's not a very warm, (laughs) like, I mean, I guess he eventually, we see that, we see that side of him, but he is this, a little bit more of this like rational, like trying to get things done. And um, there are ways that that serves him well. And then he brings out the agreeable side in in some of the relationships, but it's not his default. Yes, very true. Well, related to that research, as we've mentioned, and just kind of as we've been chatting, we've brought up Maverick a lot and how, you know, we really do see with that character, those aspects of extroversion, how that really seems true to what the research has found and how um, Tom Cruise played the character of Maverick. Um, In the new movie, uh, the new Top Gun, there's also Miles Teller's character, Rooster. Um, And so we want to play just a brief part of this clip that kind of shows maybe Rooster also being pretty socially confident, um, and it's kind of a callback to the first movie as well. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drops a man insane You broke my will, but what a thrill 
goodness gracious, balls of fire. To my knowledge, there has not been research correlating um, singing at bars <laughs> or playing beach sports and military pilots, even though in both the first and sequel of this movie, you know, we've got Miles Teller in this scene. We also have, uh, <laughs> actually, he's Goose's son. And so there's a scene in the first movie yes. where Goose is playing the same exact song um, in a bar mm-hmm. or in a restaurant with a bunch of people. And then, of course, in the first and the sequel, there are shirtless scenes of people either playing volleyball or football. And, you know, there's just having a good time. And again, this very, like, extroverted, like, sociable confident uh, aspect here. Definitely. And then we also, you know, given that this is a mini session, we don't have too many clips from the new Top Gun, but there is also one other clip from the first Top Gun where we see Maverick in the training with his peers, um, just kind of talking about or expressing how he desires he'll be the top in the class. So I think it's a really nice example of his social confidence and maybe some of that uh, lower agreeableness that you were alluding to, Dr. Brand. <laughs> in case some of you wonder who the best is, they're up here on this plaque on the wall. The best driver in his reel from each class has his name on it. And they have the option to come back here to be Top Gun instructors. You think your name's going to be on that plaque? Yes, sir. That's pretty arrogant, considering the company you're in. Yes, sir. I like that in the pilot. All right, so we've done a nice job kind of talking about overall these different personality traits and how they might set someone up to do well in this profession. Um, And we definitely, again, we don't unfortunately have all the clips from the new movie because it's hot off the press. We don't have access, uh, (laughs) top secret access to those yet. Um, But there are a lot of examples in the new movie of also just the intensity of the skills that are required to be able to pull off the maneuvers that are done in this profession and the missions. I mean, the mission that they have in this sequel is pretty absurd and like requires all of these like there this has never been accomplished in this plane before we don't even know if we can do it and it's just very like of course hyped up for the movie but a lot of what that's why they need maverick obviously he's the only one that can do it of course um but there is a obviously a truth to it and you can hear in some of the clips like from the trailers and there's some really cool like featurettes of like how the actors for this film actually were in the planes during a lot of the filming of it and got to actually experience what it's like to do some of these like pretty crazy maneuvers in top gun maverick you're gonna see real actors in the cockpit and the full capability of the airplane when you're watching the movie when you get up there. You have a new respect for fighter pilots. There's nothing like it. That's a kill. When I first found out that we had the BM jets, I was excited. Get in time, baby. I didn't expect anything less because it's Tom Cruise. He does all of his stunts, so I expected us to have to do it too. But when it became real, like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, okay. One of my favorite analogies that some of the Top Gun pilots have, it's like being strapped on to a dragon. I told everyone, if you're going to take this role, part of it is being in that F-18. I don't know how to do it any other way. Being in an F-18 is unreal. There's going to be a lot of stuff that people see and go, no way they really did that. And we really did that. So as Dr. Fran just was mentioning, you kind of hear in that clip, 
the intensity of what's going on in the movie, but also kind of what may go into being a Top Gun pilot um, and all of the various things that are related to that and just the intensity of the overall position. And of course, this like maybe very absurd mission, but I'm sure there are a lot of missions in real life that are also just as dangerous and fraught. So, you know, um, what's interesting is related to the research, we were talking about personality traits, but there are a lot of very key mental skills that are necessary um, for performing at a high level um, for any high-performance domain. Um, So definitely being an elite pilot would fall under that realm. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's not a ton of research out there on this. I think it's just a hard thing to really like nail down and be like, what are the skills and like, what are the mental traits that you would need to be able to pull these things off? But there have Mm -hmm. been some that have tried to look at this. And like Dr. Sam was alluding to some of this might also start leaning into other kind of like elite sports or elite, um, you know, professions that people have. So we can kind of draw on that a little bit, but there was one study that really focused on mental skills necessary for high level performance, um, particularly within the Royal Canadian air force. And they drew on what's called the wheel of excellence model, which has these different domains that people in high performance careers or high performance areas really would need to have. Um, so those are focus, commitment, mental readiness, having like positive imagery, confidence. We're hearing that one come up again. Yes. Um, (laughs) Distraction control or being able to like Mm -hmm. deal with distractions when they come up and then ongoing learning. So by someone having, being able to kind of master and and deal with all these different skills in these different areas, hypothetically, they would be able to advance in these like higher, higher performing careers or activities. And in this study, they did find that pilots used all seven of those elements that Dr. Fran just described and listed. Um, and they used these, all of these elements and these skills over the three phases of flight. So when they think about the pre-flight pepper, prep, the pre-flight preparation, try saying that three times fast, <laughs> the mission execution and the post-flight debriefs. Um, so these are, you know, all the skills that would be necessary to perform well at a high performance. And we're seeing that pilots are, are excelling at all of these and across all three phases of their flight. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're seeing a lot of overlap with like some of the, like the confidence um, piece. We're seeing like mm-hmm. some of the conscientious elements of being like very organized and um, also like yes. the focus piece. So there's a lot of overlap between you can imagine that someone high in some of the traits that we had talked about before likely also are either naturally have these skills or are able to develop these skills more quickly. So given the high demands of being a military pilot and, you know, after we just got done describing the personality traits that are associated with being a pilot, the skills that would be necessary to be a successful pilot, you might also be wondering like, okay, well, what about mental health among this population, right? It is a very intense job with a, you have to perform at a very high level. You have to have all of these types of skills. Obviously, there are certain traits of the people that are involved in this work. So what might that look like when we talk about or think about the mental health of the pilots? Yeah. And there's actually a whole, again, like subset of psychology, which we already talked about one, t- yeah. one new one today. Another one is actually military psychology, which is a branch of psychology that focuses specifically on working with military personnel and their families. Cause there are a lot of very unique things that come up in this population compared to the general population. We're not going to do a deep dive on that today mm-hmm. and hope we have the opportunity to cover that a little bit more in depth in future sessions, but we can briefly talk about mental health in the military. And while we don't get a huge sense of this in either of the films, I think one theme that kind of comes up a little bit is maybe grief. So 
Obviously, yeah. as if you've seen the first one, you know that uh, Maverick's uh, friend Goose dies, and that ends up carrying over into the the second movie. And be, it, it, it's kind of the main mental health theme, I guess, if there is one um, that we can identify of like grief, and that in addition to all the things that Doctor Sam mentioned, like the lo- the potential loss of um, coworkers or people that you're close with in this high demand job, because it is something that is probably more likely in another than in other professions, kind of adds to that um, kind of bigger picture of mental health in this population. I think interestingly, one of the only maybe windows that we get into like Maverick's mental health is in the first movie right after um, uh, Goose dies Mm -hmm. very tragically. Um, You know, he has the talk like with one of the like lead instructors at the uh, training academy um, and his confidence is like shaken after that incident, you know, because he was involved in the incident when the, you know, he couldn't regain control of the jet as it was going down. And then, you know, goose wasn't able to be extracted safely. And so he does have some, you know, uh, his confidence is shaken. He's obviously grieving. He mentions in the movie, like goose is his only family. So it was a very difficult loss for him. Um, And we see that he does struggle for a bit before kind of, you know, continuing to pursue his passion and go on to be the great pilot that he is for the rest of that movie and the second movie. (laughs) Um, But I think other than that, we don't see very much. Um, Dr. Fran mentioned we're not going to do a deep dive into military psychology, but I do hope we'll have the chance in the future just because the history of psychology in America and the U.S. in particular is very intertwined with like military um, and in particular like combat and post-combat with soldiers. So we'll definitely come back to that. Um, For today, we're briefly going to just talk about the history of testing in the military. So one of the main ways that people who are joining the military or are in the military kind of interact with psychology, I guess you could say, is when they are being tested before joining. Um, That is, if they're not, you know, seeking treatment or anything like during or after. It's really kind of that before phase. Yeah, and we won't do a super deep, detailed history. This is not a history lesson today on the history of uh, testing in the military. We will post a a resource on the website for people who are more interested. It is a really interesting history of, you know, back in World War One and then World War Two. There were a lot of different efforts to figure out are there ways that we can test people before they even enlist to make sure that they're going to be a good fit. Again, we can imagine that there might be certain conditions, medical or psychological, that might make it very difficult for people to adjust to moving all the time. Um, the like intensity at which the job demands might be or potential losses of family members or friends. Um, so just like wanting to prepare. So it did start in like early World War One, World War Two, with having like um, intellectual evaluations or testing for IQ and things like that started to kind of evolve into doing psychiatric evaluations where individuals would be examined by a psychiatrist prior to enlisting. I think there were some changes around that partially because there was such a need for people that they didn't have the time or the bandwidth to really do thorough psychological evaluations. So that kind of fell off. And I think there also was not a ton of evidence that those things could reasonably predict how well someone was going to do. And so that has, has kind of faded out of, it's not really a, a common practice anymore. Um, so as of like 2007, and I believe this is still the current practice that for people who are enlisting, so not people who are already in, but people who are enlisting, um, they can sometimes have educational achievement, cognitive testing, and a very like broad, broad overview of medical screening and psychiatric evaluations. And I actually don't think everyone even goes through these like educational and cognitive or IQ testing. There's not necessarily like a formal process that everyone has to go through. They will go through this kind of like medical screening and psychiatric evaluation, but it's primarily from my understanding, asking about 
a history of diagnoses, medical and psychological. So it's really self-report based um, Mm -hmm. of like, hey, have you had any diagnoses? Have you ever been hospitalized for a mental health condition? Those types of things. And not like a very thorough examination with like a psychologist or psychiatrist who sits down and asks a bunch of questions. And related, most mental health diagnoses are often disqualifying conditions to enlist in military service. Um, And so in 2018, the Army, which is a specific branch of the military, relaxed its guidelines for granting waivers for prospective soldiers that were wishing to enlist that had a history of self-harm. This is as long as it was limited to a single episode that occurred before the age of 18 and not within the previous five years. Um, And then the recruit could be cleared for a behavioral health waiver. This is a practice in other other branches of the military as well for different disqualifying um, conditions they can you know submit for a waiver and then the military kind of will review it and determine whether or not that person can enlist yeah and that's a pretty common process not just for psychological conditions but even medical ones so if someone has a medical condition that gets flagged they may seek a waiver to still be able to enlist and join the, the, the military um, and you know, the, what Dr. Sam just mentioned was just one example of like a very specific mental health condition, like a self-harm history that has these kind of caveats. And again, we'll post some resources on the website. It was really fascinating for me as a psychologist to read through all the different conditions that are disqualifying and the caveats around that of like, okay, you can't have had, you can have had depression, but it can only have been for like this amount of time. And it can't have had this thing again, not to say that that is a be all end all of like, if you have this, there's absolutely no way. But it formally is listed um, in that way as a disqualifying condition, and someone would have to go through this medical waiver process to be able to enlist. That is different, though, for people who are already in the military, right? Mm -hmm. Once you have gotten in and you're enlisted or you've joined as an officer, um, it is a little bit different of once a diagnosis is um, identified how they handle that. It's not automatically people are discharged because they have depression or because they have a self-harm history or different things like that. I think that is important to note. And again, maybe that's something that we can cover more of the details of in the future. I will also add that anecdotally, you know, I typically work with children, teenagers, young adults. um, And so I do think that sometimes there can be like worries related to individuals that I've worked with that do have aspirations of joining the military um, and being weary to sometimes seek uh, psychological services or treatment because they're afraid that they might be diagnosed with something or that that might lead to, you know, being a disqualifying condition or impact their their future career ambitions. So I just kind of find that interesting from the clinical perspective and kind of on the other side, working with individuals that have those goals and, you know, are aware of that maybe because they've looked into it or they have family members who have been enlisted in the military. Um, so... And I think like, you know, like we just talked about in 2018, there are always like different uh, stipulations and guidelines and they do review it um, on a case by case basis, it appears. But I do know that that's something that individuals sometimes worry about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've definitely heard the same concern. And it, it's interesting and a little ironic in a way because there was actually a study in 2014 that found that 25% of non-deployed U.S. military members had some kind of mental health condition. So this could have been like ADHD, depression, panic disorder, um, and two-thirds of those had had this prior to enlisting. So I also saw some interesting articles just about this tension between we want to be careful about making sure people who are enlisting and joining are, um, you know, set up for success and are able to kind of deal with the like difficulties that might come with this position. And at the same time, we want people to be able to be honest about the difficulties Mm -hmm. that they might be having. And there is this stigma about talking about mental health in the military, partially for this reason of like, I don't want to get kicked out or I don't want to not be able to join because I'm dealing with Mm -hmm. these difficulties. And as we know, like undiagnosed, untreated 
mental health conditions typically don't just go away like completely by themselves um, and could get worse or um, there could be situations that come up that make it harder to deal with the longer that that goes um, without help. That's very true. More support and maybe like receiving treatment would, you know, definitely benefit those individuals. But if they are worried or having those concerns, you mentioned earlier, Dr. Fran, that with some of the psychological testing initially, that that was, you know, that's kind of faded away because it hasn't been very predictive all of the time, right? Like we can give people certain assessments. And in general, a lot of times testing, that's the purpose. It's you're trying to predict how someone is going to do on some outcome. A good example of that's like standardized testing, like SATs for college or the GRE for grad school. And we find and similarly, that those aren't always as predictive because it's hard to predict human behavior overall. So are there things we can find that are associated and we can, you know, try to make those predictions, um, but it's not a perfect science. And so I just think that these kind of things are always really interesting to, to think about. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads to just kind of like in summary, um, just because you might be someone who's not extroverted or like not very conscientious, yeah. you be a little neurotic, <laughs> doesn't mean you like could never be a military pilot ever in your life. Um, and on the flip side, just because you have those traits doesn't mean that you would be as good as Maverick um, or Rooster. Exactly. Um, so they again, like impossible, right? <laughs> um, so these are these are associated traits. They do not automatically mean anything or um, predict that in a like one for one fashion. Um, but they are just correlates and things that are kind of interesting and have been patterns that have been found among the research. Yes, and we always like to share that. Like we did at the beginning of the session, like there is always variability when we talk about people. We like to kind of just present some of the the things that are maybe most commonly found to be connected with, you know, these traits or these professions. Um, it's interesting because we want to see like, oh, what are the movies getting right? What are they not getting right? It seems like here, at least in a lot of the portrayals of the pilots, uh, it is pretty like in line with some of the research. And again, just because you're not maybe fit into that perfect box doesn't mean that you wouldn't be able to have that kind of profession or be a pilot. Um, so, you know, there's always differences in the things that we talk about. <laughs> Nothing to be, you know, kind of locking you into one one thing. Yeah. Obviously, we covered just a very small subset of personality psychology. We yeah. also only covered like a fraction of what could be talked about within the context of like military psychology and like military pilots and different things like that. Um, so if there's other themes or questions or things that you all have, feel free to send them in. Um, we'd love to kind of hear what other things that you picked up on in these movies. Um, and maybe we'll do another booster session in the future on these topics. But for today, we will keep it condensed as it is a mini session. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us for our real rounds. We thought it was really fun to cover Top Gun. Um, and I think this is a prime example of a movie that we might have thought would be difficult to put on our couch, but allowed for some really interesting topics. So thanks. And don't forget to check out the website for resources. We'll have a glossary of new terms. Um, some of the things that we talked about, we'll have highlighted on there. And please, as always, find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pods and all of the things where we post, you know, upcoming sessions. We also will post our Freudian scripture spotlights when we have those and different things. So definitely please find and follow us there. And again, let us know what thoughts you have on Top Gun, the original, or Maverick, the, uh, the sequel, and any questions you have about psychology in general or other ideas for movies or TV shows you'd like to hear us talk about next. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, and webmaster, Don. You're still dangerous, but you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs>